Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings, tomatoes, and welcome to today's Happy Hour podcast. And you know the maxim, knowledge is power. Well, when it comes to our health, knowledge and information we can trust is so important if you want to take charge of your health. And I'm very excited that our guest today is Beth Badalino, and she is the CEO of Healthy Women, which is a nonprofit medical organization which has been recognized by Forbes and Oprah Magazine as one of the top and most trusted women's health websites. And I'm also proud to say that the Three Tomatoes has been partners with Healthy Women for many years, and you'll find some of their terrific content also featured at our website too. So Beth, welcome. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be on your show. Oh, I am too. I'm so happy to have you here. And, and honestly, I think what Healthy Women is doing, it's always been important, but I think it's probably even more important to all of us right now. So let's start out because in addition to being CEO of Healthy Women mm-hmm. and the driving force behind its amazing growth. You are also a practicing nurse in maternal child health, which I find fascinating. And we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that in a few minutes. But let's start by telling our listeners about the background of Healthy Women and how you got involved with it. So Healthy Women, I started with um, our our legal name is the National Women's Health Resource Center, which is a mouthful. Um, And I started with the organization on a fluke, to be quite honest. I needed a job. I needed health benefits because I wanted to stay in Washington, D.C., where I went to school. So I applied. And in, in the back of my head, while I graduated with a business degree, I always had wanted to be a nurse. And I was one of six children. Um, and we were, you know, Irish twins. There were three under three at once. <laughs> wow. And then they took a two-year hiatus and had three more kids under the age of three again. And so when it came time to college, you know, my, my uh, dad was just like, if you want to be a nurse, then you're going to stay in New York State, and there's great state schools. You can be a nurse, but if you go for business, then I'll, I'll consider paying for a private uh, school. And so I said, I'm going to go for business, and <laughs> I went to a private school in Washington. And um, after I got out of that school, I still had that, that in the back of my head that I wanted to be a nurse. So I applied for the position at Columbia Hospital for Women, which was one of the seven women's hospitals at the time. And the job was uh, for a volunteer coordinator to coordinate all the candy stripers. And that's what they were called then. Um, the yes, I was one I of those. See? <laughs> so I thought, oh my gosh, that's so fun. I learned things and this would be perfect. And then I can start my nursing um, you know, courses and, uh, and then hopefully get a job there after I'm done. So long story short, I was during my interview, the head of HR said, I've got a better job for you. I think you'll be great at this new women's center we just started. 
and I think you'll be a great program coordinator. So I'm, I'm like, sure. I, I don't know anything about being a woman besides being a woman and <laughs> going to my annual OBGYN appointment. So I started um, in this uh, national not-for-profit that the hospital had started. Um, and I worked as a program coordinator. And then in 1997, a lot of the small private hospitals were being merged and acquired. Mm -hmm. And so I saw the writing on the wall for the organization. So I put together a business plan and I went to the CEO of the hospital and I asked him if I could pull the not-for-profit away from the hospital to see if I could still keep it going. Because if people remember, people that are listening remember, in the 90s is when women's health become a, became a front burner issue. Mm -hmm. We started seeing magazines, cover, they started increasing their coverage of women's health before it was a column within the magazine. And then all of a sudden we started seeing health sections. Right. We started seeing Katie Couric and Ann Curry on the Today Show start having segments on women's health and clinical trials started enrolling and looking at women differently than men. And I, I, it still astounds me to think that in the 90s, they were still doing clinical trials on men. They were not including women. And then based on the outcomes, they would approve drugs at the same dosage that worked on men and thought it could work on females. Yeah. And then That's we, amazing. I mean, it's right, amazing we, it took this many years. This many and we're years. still, and I think we're still fighting that battle too. We're too. still fighting the battle of getting more women in clinical trials and more diversity in clinical trials. Um, but, you know, so, you know, I just think about this. So women's health front burner issue. And then if you remember, all the hospitals started scrambling and putting women's centers. We are, you know, we have a women's center. And when I did a little bit of, um, you know, investigating in that and putting together, you know, profiles of women's centers, what does a women's center mean at that time in the 90s? Well, for many women's centers, it was mammography and babies. And we know that in order to be a comprehensive women's center, we had to address head to toe health, not just mammograms and having babies. So that's what kind of fueled my, um, my kind of mission and drive to create Healthy Women um, and healthywomen.org. So I pulled away from the hospital, restarted the organization with two other partners, pitched the idea to Johnson & Johnson, and they gave me a one-time grant and said, we love for you, we, we believe in you, um, if you accept this, this grant, you need to move to New Jersey and open your office in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and don't come knocking at our door next year because it's, <laughs> you know, you make it work. Just take, you, you need to make it work. And so those are the words that stuck in my head, make it work, um, and I did. And so we were the first online source for all women's health um, information, and we continue to drive you know, the online market in, in women's health and wellness. So we beat WebMD. We beat the Office of Women's Health. We were the first go-to site for all women's health and wellness issues. And I'm very proud today to say that we are still ranked as one of the top women's health websites. Um, and that really is our business. We are a digital platform that provides health and wellness information to women and really looking at women's health at age 35 to 64, which is a great demographic, as you know, because that's the demographic of your audience as well. So we, you know, we're, we're doing very well and I'm still pleased to be at the helm. 
Well, that is a really fabulous story, and you've done an amazing job, and I'm sure you were very happy you made the decision to get that business degree, too, which I'm sure has helped you along the way. I always uh, thank my dad for that. Smart. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah, I listened to him. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, it's just been an extraordinary story, and you really deserve so many kudos for that. So, but obviously being CEO of Healthy Women is a major full-time job, but in addition to that, you're also still a practicing nurse right. in, in maternal child health at, I think it's Riverview Medical Center in, um, in Red Bank, New Jersey. So right. why has staying actively involved in nursing been important to you? You know, it's um, it's a passion because honestly, my husband asks me that all the time. Why are you still doing? Why are you still doing this? <laughs> and it's because I love it. Um, it's it, it really is my touchstone, and I feel like it makes me um, a better CEO for a women's health organization to understand what today's healthcare system is like, and for taking care of real women and being able to listen to their stories, whether you know, they had infertility, you know, and I work on maternal fetal medicine. So we deal with everything from hysterectomies to prolapsed uteruses to um, delivering babies and, and welcoming new lives into the world and making sure that mom is comfortable um, and, and educated and able to take care of that baby leaving, you know, transitioning from hospital to home. And we're seeing really, you know, I'm seeing patients that come in that are addicted to opiates and um, or have alcohol problems and so i'm dealing with the abuse and and addiction and and the good stories and and the bad stories and that helps me kind of figure out and be able to host the honest conversations with my team to make sure that we are addressing all women's health and wellness issues and that we have the resources to help her or her family members live and age well. So it, it, it just puts everything into perspective for me. And I love the fact that I, I am not the boss when I go into the hospital. I can <laughs> sw check it, swipe in and swipe out. Um, and when I leave, I, I'm good, you know, but it's been, and it's been very, very interesting during this whole COVID-19 um, pandemic, um, the role that, you know, nurses play and, and that I've been playing um, over the last several months. So um, I love it. And when I stop loving it is when I'll, you know, stop nursing. But right now I don't, I don't see that in the near future. Well, I think that's great. And as you said, I think that does give healthy women another distinction because you right. have one foot in the real world of really right. what's going on. And you bring that to, to the, the pages and to everyone as part of right of healthy women. And I want to go back to that, you know, your time in COVID too, in a minute too, because sure. I'm sure that was uh, certainly very challenging for everyone mm -hmm. in the, in the healthcare business. But let's talk about a little bit uh, today because healthy women has grown so much. I mean, even in right. the time that I've been in, involved with you in terms of your content development and what you're doing uh, for women. And it's so important. I want to stress again, it's so important that credible health information is out there. And we all know about Dr. Internet because we've all got it and Google stuff, you know, I know. And for but sure. you have to be so careful of where is this information coming from. Right. And that's the great thing with your website. We know when we're there, we're getting the the real, the real deal. So just maybe give our audience an overview of some of the kinds of content that is now featured at your website. 
Sure, we have everything, you know, as I was saying, we, you know, when I, um, a couple of years ago, we really put together a strong um, kind of strategic plan. And we looked at our audience and who she is, and we really, you know, saw that our, our audience is women 35 plus. It's not to say that we don't address younger women's health issues or older women's health issues, but as a business, we really needed to wrap our arms around who is our core audience. So looking at that 35 plus, what are the health issues that start affecting her and what are some of the wellness? And we have the data. I mean, data is rich. We've been in business since, you know, we turned on the switch in, uh, of our website in 1997. So we have an, a tremendous amount of data we do market research all the time. So we are understanding who she is, what she wants, where she's visiting. And so that helps us kind of create that library of information for her, um, understanding her personas and making sure as we address aging well. So looking at menopause, looking at perimenopause, making sure that we're addressing brain health. So, you know, um, not only keeping your brain healthy, but also dementia, Alzheimer's, and giving her the tools on how to manage that. Clinical research, understanding where clinical, how, what clinical research is, and making sure she has access to clinical research if she decides she wants to go down that road, or at least providing her with the questions she can ask her healthcare provider to understand if she or a family member is a candidate for clinical research. Then we look at eye health, and we look at bone health, and we look at heart health. And we make sure that all these areas, we have the experts. So we create, we've always had a Women's Health Advisory Council, but it's growing that council to make sure that we have some of the leading key opinion leaders, leading physicians and nurse practitioners that can speak to those questions and review our material. Because as you said, you know, it's making sure everyone's on Dr. Google, but making sure that you're going to the right organizations, the right resources that are medically vetted. So you're getting that, that high quality information to base your decision on. So that's what we really have done is we look at mapping it out and, and looking at our age demographic, looking at what is trending in the news, because now COVID as we, and I know we're going to touch upon that, but that's been a, you know, that's been front and foremost in everyone's mind. So right. making sure you have that high quality information, but it has to pertain to her you know, and it has to pertain to that 35 to 64 year old woman. And now we're getting into back to school. Um, so looking at, you know, including myself, mental health, anxiety, as we're getting ready to go back to school and know that we're going to be home, homeschooling our kids um, at least a couple days a week for many, and some are doing it full time. And m many of us do not have teaching degrees. So this is going to exactly. be interesting. We, we made it through uh, the last three few months. Um, but now going back into a new school year, I'm really taking a deep breath. Um, so it's just making sure we stay, have current news, but also the news that she's interested in. So Beth, another um, part of your content that I really love is um, stories from real women. And I, I, I really do. I think a lot of people really relate to that. You know, it, it's so funny that you brought that up because that has been our cornerstone ever since we, we started, even when we were just doing print. So when we started, it was a toll-free number in the nine, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was a toll-free number and a print newsletter. Um, and in the newsletter, we always interviewed a real woman that was living with. So whether it was fibromyalgia or breast cancer 
or an autoimmune disease, we always pulled that piece in. And then when we created the website, we thought we continued to pull that in. And who like we had no idea how successful that was going to be and really started kind of a whole domino effect because now you see all so many other organizations, including pharmaceutical companies, right. that are also now it's called patient centric. You know, it's <laughs> just funny, but I'm thinking like, you know, we we had started that you know, in the late, in the very early 90s um, and, and continued to pull it through on our digital platform. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you like that. that piece yeah, and you bet you've, you've been so ahead of the curve in so many areas on the women's health front. So since you're, you are definitely the experts on health related topics for yeah. women in middle age and, and beyond. So what would be maybe three or four key things that we can do in middle age and beyond to actually take charge of our health? Because that's really what we're talking about today, that we don't have to feel we're not in control of any of this in a world that is out of control right now. I'm more on here. Um, so here, here's a couple of things that I, I stress and, um, and I say, and I practice what I preach. And I was just home visiting my my family over the weekend and I, I was having kind of the same conversation with my sisters or reminding them the importance of taking care of you. And for many of us, many women, you know, our family comes first, you know, our children, um, our family, even our pets, whether it's a dog or a cat, we put them on the list and we're usually the last person that, you know, we, ne we always put ourselves off. We defer our appointments. We always say like, we'll get to it. It's, it's only me, I'll, I'll figure out, I'll fit myself in there somewhere. But I'm saying ladies, forget about that. You need to put yourself on the list. And I know you're never gonna be number one, but it's okay to be number three. You know, we're never gonna be number one or number two, but at least number three, we need to put ourselves on the list because here's the reality, is that if we do not start taking better care of ourselves, we're not gonna be there to take care of our family. So as we're getting prepared, to go back to school. And I always like the fall because that's when, you know, you're making all the appointments, making sure the kids' vaccines are up to date, making sure you get your parent, you know, if you're caring for aging relatives, making sure mom or dad are getting their vaccinations and going to their, to their healthcare provider. It's time to make sure that we take care of ourselves. There's 26 preventative screenings that are covered by the Affordable um, Care Act that is still in place that covers everything from eye health to mammograms to bone density screening to your annual women's wellness visit. There is no excuse not to get your annual women's wellness visit and understand what your numbers are. You, you know, if you, what your cholesterol numbers are, what your DEXA scan numbers are for osteoporosis, making sure you get that mammogram and you understand what the results are. It's so, so important. That's well, the first thing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my main thing is like, just get, and make sure you know what your blood pressure, there's so many people, you know, um, that are walking around with high blood pressure that may not even know it. Um, and it just, it's so important to make sure you understand if you have high blood pressure and you just kind of get those numbers together and you understand what they are and you keep track of them because it's, again, it, you are so important and if you don't start to better care of yourself you're not going to be there to take care of all of your loved ones exactly and that's really great advice and that comes into the whole this whole topic of wellness which you talked about 
you were just talking about. But I think that whole concept of wellness, it seemed to me like it started to appear around the 90s, as you said, when we finally started to talk about women's health. And now we hear, hear so much more about that. But what, how would you define wellness? You know, I think for, for myself, I define wellness is doing something that's good for yourself, like doing something that you feel good, whether it's taking a walk every day, and it can be like little things, eating, eating better. I'm not saying you have to eat 100% perfect, but just eating better, realizing that, you know, thinking about what you're putting in your mouth or understanding that you might be stressed. So instead of putting your head in the refrigerator, going and taking a walk and the importance, you know, of exercise and it does exercise is different for everyone. So it's just taking better care of yourself and feeling better is my definition of is my own definition of, of wellness. <clears throat> so right. I just, you know, it's little things that people can do. It's the simple things that you can start implementing into your everyday routine that's going to make you feel better. So that, that's my definition of wellness. I think that's a great definition. And that's how I define it too. And, and, you know, we know that there's very simple lifestyle changes we can make, not major ones that actually can make a difference and it starts with taking these little steps so uh healthy women is always a wonderful reminder to us to do that and you do it in a way that's not nagging us either which i like because no one wants to feel like oh gosh now i have to feel guilty i didn't get this done or that done so we we appreciate that too so we of course must talk about the pandemic because we're still right in the middle of all of this and i know that it's just having such an impact. We just were talking about well-being on all of us, our well-being. So whether you were, you know, personally involved with either having COVID or not, it's just we are all stressed out right now. There's so much stress and anxiety, and I know it's taking a toll physically and emotionally on on people. I mean, it's a scary time, and a lot of it is because it's all the uncertainty. We don't know what's gonna happen. And there's all these new things, like you just talked about having to homeschool your children part of the time. You know, when did parents also become teachers? And just everything that we're dealing with. And I think just a lot of it has to be because we feel like we're spinning out of control. So as a nurse, as CEO of Healthy Women, as someone who's also right here living through this, what would be some of your advice on how can we take control of our health, which is so important, you know, at least take care of one thing in these right. very uncertain times? What would you suggest we do? So, you know, I, I'm so glad you asked me that question. So what I would like to tell all your listeners is if you're putting off going to, the, to your doctor's appointment or your healthcare provider's appointments because of COVID, time out, make the appointment and go. No better time to go than now. There, every practice that I've spoken with, at any practice that I've walked into, they are they are on their game, taking making sure so safe distancing, making sure that the waiting rooms and the um, exam rooms are they're cleaner than they've ever been. Um, there's you're in and out, you know, instead of waiting in a crowded waiting room. There is no reason to not make your annual women's wellness visit or if you've been putting off going to see a specialist, now's the time to make that appointment and go. So do not use the COVID-19 pandemic as an excuse anymore. Please make your healthcare provider appointment. 
um, and take care of yourself. Um, and what was the second part of the question, Cheryl? Sorry. <laughs> I said, you know, taking control of our health in these yes. uncertain times. So I, you know, and those are all good points. And what are some of the, you know, I'm talking about the, the um, doctor's rooms. I went through my uh, uh, dental cleaning not long ago and wow, it was such a different experience. I felt like I was in some technology spaceship. Yeah. So, uh -huh. I mean, I felt really, really comfortable. So um, I, I think that is, that's great advice, but there's so many things right now, like people aren't sleeping or we're probably eating too much. Some of us are drinking too much or, you know, what are some of those things? You know, we can take control of that stuff. So what, what would you say? I would say, you know what? Um, yes, I think everyone's having more, more wine or a cocktail and maybe that's okay in moderation, you know, so my, my whole advice on that is moderation, but go for a walk, go for a bike ride, you know, take time to just sit outside and read a book and enjoy some, some of the beautiful weather that we've been experiencing this summer. You know, if you're able to go to the beach, go, go in the after, late afternoon when everyone's leaving, if you feel it's too crowded, it's a beautiful time, but just giving yourself a chance to enjoy the summer and enjoy being outside, I think is so important. And just to time out from everything else, because right. I, I completely agree with you there. I, I know my anxiety and stress level is very, very high. And so one thing that I do and will do as soon as I get off my the, this uh, interview with you is go for a run. So I've been running every single day because it just keeps me sane. It just is a stress relief releaser for, for me. And everyone has their own, th you know, their thing that'll help you know, that takes some stress away from them, whether it's, like I just said, going for, you know, we, were, we do family evening bike rides um, until my, my son finally said, I'm done with the bike rides. <laughs> 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 two months and then he's like, done with the bike, bike rides every night. But um, I just feel like there's something that you can do, you know, even if it's just taking a walk um, that is gonna help alleviate some of the, some of the stress. And I think that it is so important for us to take that time out and just take a deep breath to breathe and to just let our minds just go to that special place where you just like, you can just smile or read or just to give the, your brain a time out. Um, yeah. Everyone's feeling that, uh, you know, you're no, everyone's in the same boat. There's not one person that I've talked to that does not feel that extra level of stress and anxiety during this time. And it's, it's so I feel like it's normal like that. Yeah. that to feel that way right now. Well, I think that's a good message for people to say it's okay to be feeling that way, but then here oh, but are some is, things you is, can- But if it's too much though, there's, so telemedicine, and we're hearing so much more of that, right? That you're hearing, seeing commercials on it, you're seeing, um, you know, healthcare practices implementing it more than they did before. Healthcare providers are becoming more comfortable with it. So that's not going to go away. I do feel, and I, I, I am going to say the word that I always dread, but the new norm, because I, everyone's saying it, it will be a new norm. Telemedicine is not going to go away. So that's one thing too, that I want to share with your audience is that if you feel your anxiety does not decrease, and if you feel like it's just becoming worse, there are people that you can talk to and there's some great online resources and telemedicine um, specialists that you can actually speak to to help you during this time and so it's a great tool um, and it's important just to get used to it because it can it could play a great role in, in taking care of you in that part of taking care of you 
Absolutely. And I think that's so important. And I agree. I think the telemedicine thing is uh, is here to stay and, and it yeah. should be because I think it's a big help. So, Beth, before we close, and it's been such a great conversation, you have your big annual event coming up on September 22nd. And like everything else, it's virtual this year. But yeah. tell us a little bit about it. And and can we attend it? You can attend it, and I welcome you all to attend it. So go to our site, healthywomen.org, and click on event and just register. It's a virtual event, so everyone can attend. It's on September 22nd, and we're actually having Fran Drescher, who is the nanny, <laughs> open up. A little bit of comedy, a little bit of laughter. We feel like everyone can use a little laughter these days. So she has graciously accepted our invitation. Yay. Yeah, evening, which will be fun. And, you know, it's always about celebrating innovation and technology as it pertains to health and wellness, women's health and wellness. So we're going to have some great speakers that are presenting on some of the research and the new innovation that we're seeing in women's health. So I think it would be a great event. I would love for you to attend um, and just uh, listen in. And fingers crossed it'll be as successful as your event was, um, but we're all trying it. So we'll see how it works, but I'm, I, I am excited about it. Um, it's changed, but we're, we're all about change and we'll see how it goes. And hopefully next year we'll be back in person because I do love a good cocktail party, but yes. we'll see how we'll see how. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited about it and I will definitely be there. And one of the great positives about virtual events is that it brings a lot more people into than That's can come to, um, a real event, although we all do miss those real events. So let's hope we get back to them. So Beth, thank you so much for being my guest today and for keeping us so up to date on all the important health issues. And I just want to tell everyone to make sure that you visit healthywomen.org. It is a fabulous resource for all of us. So thank you, Beth. You're a delight as always. Thank you. Thanks, Cheryl. Have a great day. You too.